This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Saturday morning edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Kawhi Leonard is a Clipper. Paul George is a Clipper, and we will be not talking about any of those things because I don't think Eric S. Brady of RBR Wrestling watches the NBA at all. I was checking my Twitter in the morning because Kawhi Watch has been happening forever now. Mm-hmm. And I just saw everybody had, I've had about 14 posts in a row that were just like, man, the NBA is wild. And I was like, oh, I guess that must have come down. I was not expecting them to also get Paul George, though. Yeah. It seemed like the Clippers were going to get one person. Are you to worried get two. about uh, how Bryce Harper is faring in Washington this year? He's not in the, he's in the Phillies now. Okay. Just a test. You think I don't know anything about sports? <laughs> Don't I'm this? I know all about snooker mm-hmm. and Formula One, MotoGP. Right. What other sports are popular that your audience won't know anything about? I'm talking about Valentino Rossi. They know a lot about snooker because this is a very uh, the increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margit uh, fan podcast, and there is an episode, or I think a couple episodes, about uh, legendary snooker player. Um, what is his name? I forgot, but it's... Have you watched that show with David Cross and Will Arnett? The increasing no. poor decisions of Todd Margaret? No. Okay. It's really good. It was on... Um, what was a What was that channel? See, I don't even remember channels. AMC. And... Uh, oh, the Breaking Bad channel. Yes. Uh, from a couple years ago. And uh, he was good. No, not AMC. IFC. Oh, the film channel. Yeah. Um... But anyway, there's a famous snooker player. And that's like when y'all first started talking about it on the show. I was like, oh, I know what snooker is only because of this show and because of how niche it was <laughs> in Europe at the time. And this was like 10 years ago. Well, then I guess we're going to have to start talking about cricket instead. Yes. I don't, I don't know current cricket. You want to talk Don Bradman, though? I'm good. Who? He's like a famous Irish cricket player. Hmm. I only know his name because he's like the John Madden or Tiger Woods of cricket in that his is the name on the video game. So when you go to the store, it says Don Bradman's cricket. And I go, who the fuck is behind this (laughs) in the suburbs of Virginia? Mm. Well, 
Um, you missed RBR this week. And yeah, because I was going to do the Chase Thomas show. Did you tell them that was why? Because I yeah, I, cool. I only man. do the I only do big shows now. Um, I've kind of wanted to start my own AEW war with RBR. So this oh hell show. yeah, I'm the outsiders. <laughs> that was them, right? I didn't watch WCW. Did you? Not? I don't. I don't watch losers. Mm. That's why There's I watch be a lot of people by the way, on wrestling Twitter that are just going to consistently make it known that they're not watching one of the two products. And I mean, that's been a thing for so long. But now it's going to be like a battle oh, yeah, of honor because now it's now we're in console war territory. Yes. Now we're going to get bumper stickers of <laughs> Calvin peeing on one of the two logos. That's going to be on some laptops. I will. I would I would bet on some Calvin uh pissing on the uh AEW or WWE logo for yeah, sure. I'm making I'm gonna make it right now. My favorite was the last five years whenever WWE would have like a particularly bad pay per view mm-hmm. and there'd be all the tweets of people posting the screenshots of them canceling the WWE network. Mm-hmm. But then like sixty days later when there was a good show, they'd be posting about how good it was. And it's like, I guess that didn't last long, did it? No. Because you're not going to believe this, Eric. Sometimes things yeah. can be good, and sometimes they can be bad. I, th- I think they've even talked about their like recidivism rate on like calls before. Mm. They don't worry when people cancel because they know nobody actually leaves. Well, that's okay. So that's what's interesting about the Monday Night Raw and SmackDown this week, and kind of their changes uh, from the company and like what. Melter's reporting about like it's no coincidence that we had Kofi flicking off Kevin Owens, that we had um Braun and Lashley killing themselves, and we had um Bitch making it way making its way back into the the pro wrestler um vocabulary this week, and it's because they're worried about AEW's uh like teen viewing, which is weird. Um but like I guess they're worried that those guys and this is actually something that i think does make sense in that when WWE is their only is the only thing that exists for kids growing up and when you get older and all that kind of stuff like that's your only wrestling product that's easily accessible if you're in high school and all that kind of stuff and um those kids uh have to watch the the pg era but if there's this other thing on wednesday nights that exists that's specifically targeted for kids who go on message boards talking about how awesome John Moxley and Joey Janela are, that's a problem because they would actually lose them at that point. Um, potentially where like impacts been trying to do this on a smaller scale. It's just, they don't have the reach and they're just, it's just a, a, a brand that has a stench on it. I mean, they even tried the whole going on Twitch thing to get to like a younger audience. Right. And I think that's the new target because WWE knows they have the kids and the adults for a long time. Like those guys aren't but- going anywhere. Now all those teenagers who are just casually watching TNT mm-hmm. will see commercials for wrestling. Well, they do. I mean, they watch between basketball, basketball Law and Order reruns. No, it's basketball. That's where you're going to see the people tune in. Is like you heard Marv Albert um, talk about AEW pay per view. It's it's one of those things where that's where they're going to get them is on NBA games on Tuesday nights and inside the NBA. When inside the NBA is advertising an AEW show. That's it, it's going to be weird, but that's how you're going to get kids because those shows are insanely popular and basketball is completely market around younger people. Do kids want to watch wrestling anymore? Even I, 
I think so. I feel like you're going to need something. I feel like the whole AEW thing is like going after the lapsed people. It's like, we're bringing back all the stuff you used to see that's gone now because we're cool. I feel like I would think if I was a wrestling company, I would treat it more like tobacco companies where it's like, hey, we've put smoking back into like shows again. Like all the Netflix shows have smoking. It's not helping. Kids aren't smoking. You know what's going to get kids smoking again? Vaping. They had to like find like a whole new thing to appeal to kids. I feel like that's why like UFC does well with a younger audience. Does it? I feel like, like UFC's like audience is significantly older. But Robbie covers UFC and he's eight. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I don't know any old UFC fans. Maybe that's just my circle though. I feel like it's all the younger people who think it's like the cool, more actiony sport. Whereas old people are like, I love baseball. Well, the reason I assumed it was older was just because if you've ever been to a sports bar on a Saturday night and you look at who the UFC fans are who are like staring at the TV, it's all like 38-year-old white guys. It's true. That's just just out of peak demo. Yeah. Like, I don't know any ninth graders that are like, hey, does anyone know when the, the, I'm trying to, uh, Cormier fight's coming on? I, I don't know. I don't know if there's like a 16-year-old a begging his mom to order the Cormier fight. But they know what time Ninja starts his stream. Who? Oh my god, you're so old, man. You don't know Ninja? Is that a... What, what? Fortnite? You ever heard of the I, video I've games? Fortnite, yes. But like, who is... Is Ninja like a... What is that? He's on Red Bull cans now. I don't... What? Yeah. He plays. He was. He performed at New Year's Eve Times Square this year. Performing playing, what? What is he playing Fortnite? You can perform playing a video game. Yeah, he was in Times Square in a little box above the crowd <laughs> playing Fortnite all night for New Year's Eve. Yeah, there's no way. <laughs> like they pan to him just playing Fortnite. He had his own like show. Oh, okay. This is what the kids sure. want, man. I will say it is weird that like I don't think any of us saw the future of like gaming just being kids watching other people play video games. Yeah. It wasn't until I feel like Minecraft on YouTube was the thing where you were like, why am I like seeing this all the time all of a sudden? <laughs> like whole brands that were being built up of like it's just a couple friends playing Minecraft together. You're like, that's weird. And now they're like millionaires who own their own like empires of other kids streaming games yeah my younger brother and all of his friends and i i I see kids all the time just watching on their ipad other people play games like they're not playing games themselves they're just so i'm like who's actually playing the games are there like 23 people total still playing video games and just everybody else watches them me and a friend at work were talking about playing PUBG, and an intern was there and was like oh who are you guys watching tifu or whatever it's like we were playing oh i haven't tried it yet i love that game though it's like, how do you know you love the game if you've never played the game? Yeah, yeah but like just, just watching it is like the future of that whole industry now, though. It's Wrestling weird. needs some sort of shakeup that isn't just like we're edgier. Yeah, I mean, they just brought back Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff to save the business. And it's yeah. like, you're going back into the well of... Well, I was talking to somebody about this last week on the pod where it was like, the problem with thinking outside of the box and thinking with the future in terms of um, administrative talent 
in professional wrestling is that we don't really know who's booking a lot of these shows. There's not front facing men and women. So we just like, it's hard to be like, Hey, they should run. Like they have a real, they have an eye for the business. They should be given an opportunity. This younger guy or younger girl, whoever um, should give, be given this opportunity to um, push wrestling into the 21st century, blah, blah, blah. Because we just don't know who books these shows. We don't know how it all works. We don't know a lot of, the behind the scenes people that are like, Oh, they're creatively super smart and should be given an opportunity to um, push things a certain way. Like I wish WWE would pluck this person from this company. And um, we know that with wrestlers, we just don't know that with creative. So like, that's why they go back to the same, the only ones we know are like Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff, Don Callis, Scott Demore, like only a handful of people. And, we don't know of any who like anyone who's young and up and coming that should be given an opportunity outside of Maxwell Bombach for his work at freelance. But like, of course um, we, we just don't know. And that's kind of annoying. I wish we knew, I wish we had better insight into um, a lot of these younger bookers and just creative minds in professional wrestling that we just don't know about. It's like movies, like 90% of movies. If you ask me like who directed it, I'm going to have no idea. Mm-hmm. But then there's like that handful of directors where you're like, Oh yeah, it's a Spielberg movie. It's a Christopher Nolan movie. Cool. Yeah. Like there's somehow like this small niche of people who have like risen to that level of like I get to put my name on everything I do. And you know that you're gonna like it because you're like, oh, okay. I know that guy's style. Yes. Or like, yeah, like you'll know if you like or dislike it, kind of thing. Like you say Tarantino, I'd be like, oh, I don't like those movies, but I'll know that. I'll know that's not for me. That's not my niche. Michael Bay, I know what that is. I'm gonna get some candy and some soda, and I'm gonna watch explosions. I feel like that's, that's the, very limited and that's number. why that fits well with wrestling in 2019 is I think it's not about reaching a large audience anymore. I think it's about finding your niche and trying to extract high dollar value from that niche. Like WWE's like have increasing ticket sales as time goes on where like the number of tickets they sell is going down, but their revenue is going up because right. they're selling more higher price tickets. Well, not even just that, just they've, refocus which is what professional sports have done like mlb attendance has just been dropping every year but their tv deals are still incredible and that's part of it is just it's live action it's live sports which will always be uh more important than at the gate numbers like i don't think the company is at all concerned about declining in show attendance because they still make a bunch of money off merch they still make a bunch of money off the network they still make a bunch of money with all their different shows and all that kind of stuff like they i they they've just diversified their um, their economic standing so much that those little things that a small company needs to start and survive, they don't really care about. But they've also diversified their products, kind of that like director talk of like, if you're interested in more quality in-ring technical work, you're going to be like, oh, I watch NXT. Mm. I don't watch WWE, but I watch NXT. I subscribe just for that. Or if you like flippy cruiserweights, like, oh, yeah, I watch 205 Live. It's the idea that everybody now is going to seek out the product that is like no product is like made for everybody anymore. It's made for that one niche. Yeah. So their thing is like like last night was a GCW show. If you like deathmatch wrestling, GCW has become the new brand to go for that. Did you WWE. Watch? Oh, hell no. I, don't, I hate that kind of stuff. Mm. But WWE has like tried to make other than Raw and SmackDown, which are kind of the same as each other, 
they've tried to have like Raw and SmackDown are like the family friendly traditional wrestling shows. 205 Live is the flippy cruiserweights. NXT is the in ring great worker five star matches. So whatever your niche is, we're going to cater to your niche. And then we're going to have a different show for each niche. And so they're trying to squeeze it all into one thing where everybody's like, well, I like this part, but didn't like this part. You know, it'd be funny is um, how quickly you would get fired if you presented to Vince McMahon uh, this theory. If you just said the word niche to Vince McMahon in 2019, I think he might throw you out of the out of the building. I bet he has like a good insider derogatory term for people who watch NXT but don't watch the main roster. Yes, I think he 100% hates a certain subset of the wrestling um, population for sure. And- I, w- I would be curious what his like term inside the office is for those people. Right. And I think he doesn't respect them enough to like, that's why they're just now going after the teens again is I think he just is like, those idiots will keep coming back. They'll go online. They'll complain. They'll cancel the subscription and they're back next week. Like, I really think he's one of those people who's just like, I don't care. They're going to watch. They're going to complain. They're going to celebrate. They're going to go to WrestleMania. They're going to do all this. They're going to throw the beach balls. They're going to do that. And I don't care about these people. He knows they're the high school couple where like everyone knew that couple. who You'd come into school on Monday and your friend would be like, oh, yeah, we broke up. Mm -hmm. And then like you're thinking like it was like the ninth time in two months you've come in and said that now. Yeah. Like, I don't believe you. Like he knows that those are those fans who are going to go on Twitter and be like, this is the worst show ever. Why would anybody watch it? And the next week they'll go, this is the worst show ever. Why would anybody? And they'll just say that every single week. It's like, why are you watching it then? It's like the ones who've complained about Roman Reigns for like four and a half years and have watched every episode of Raw in that four and a half year span. Yeah. Like, like, well, unless you, you unless you're going to do something, why yeah. would they care? Um, yeah. It's Does this make 205 Live the girlfriend that goes to the other school that you just don't know about? That you go, yeah, you come sh- in. <laughs> No, that's NXT UK. You're like, it's she's really awesome. She I all, promise. All your friends talk hell. about NXT and you're like, Oh yeah, I have an NXT too. Uh <laughs> it's not from here though, so you don't you haven't met her. <laughs> There's this stable of um wrestlers that are kinda cool that no Oh, the Undisputed about. Era? No, no, no. It's uh they're better than that. Uh they have cooler names too, like uh Walter. Walter. <laughs> And th- other guys I don't know the names of, so is of course Fabian we both Heichner? went to Walter. Is it the and then the German guy? Who's that one, Alex the German guy's Walter. No, I thought the German, the blonde one. Oh, okay. Well, Walter is also German. And then oh, hold on, I think there's two blonde ones. Now that I think about it, um, the tag team Fabian Eichner, and then the other German, and then the the German who was Insanity. Eric Desmond Young. Wolf? No, what is his name? Desmond Wolf. <laughs> It's uh yeah, Desmond Wolf. It's Nigel McGuinness. <laughs> Dude, it's definitely it is something like Desmond Wolf, Wolf. Though I think yeah, it is something Wolf. Okay, Alexander Wolf. WWE has five brands now. Sorry, next week they'll have six because Evolve. God, and I think they're like, just going to keep that's up. that's exactly the whole thing though. Is like we talk about how like WWE like Raw and SmackDown lose viewership. They're not. I'm sure they obviously are trying and want to earn those viewers back on those shows. They're not like, oh, it doesn't matter. Of course they want to keep them. But they're also realizing instead of two shows that bring in two million viewers, we can have two shows that bring in one and a half million viewers and four shows that bring in half a million viewers kind yeah. of thing. They realized we can bring in more eyeballs per week with this diversified lineup. 
And these shows cost us basically nothing. Because we're paying Adam them to run to a five live now. Like he's making twenty five thousand dollars a year to run our our show. It's probably at least thirty. That's 000. a Seth Rollins joke, folks. Oh, okay. Just <laughs> compare the size of your wallet to the size of my wallet. Still, one of the worst things. Um, people gave him a pass on all of that, but I feel like some people that, just showed that their was true the colors. line that he completely lost it. We're like. Okay, so let's talk about Seth because he's just had a really bad month in general and I really enjoyed this episode of Raw. I wrote about it. It's I thought this was maybe my favorite Raw I've watched in an extremely long time. Um, but Seth, now him and Becky getting insecure and combative about their on-screen chemistry is another step in the uh, what-are-you-doing ladder. I, I just I, In my notes, I wrote down, I'm like, oh, they're, they're really bad on screen yeah. together they're, why do they why do they need everybody to like them i don't know it's just like i feel like they're very successful people who are insecure with the fact that some people don't like them okay there is a line from this episode i wrote down um because they were they had a backstage segment which also bad um they're really bad on backstage segments and this show has about 37 of them per week and a lot of guys were really good in these, um, especially Baron Corbin. Street Baron profits. Corbin was incredible. Like Baron, Baron Corbin, Corbin is great, and people don't accept that. He's just not. Baron Corbin's frustrating because if he was a A plus wrestler, he's like everything you want. And yeah, I think people just hate him because he's so attractive. I, that's yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, but she said, "I wouldn't advise you to lose my title." And then he makes this weird face and they make weird faces at each other. And then he's like, I wouldn't advise you to lose my title. And you're just, it's really bad. It, they're just, it doesn't work on screen. I don't know why they're, their timings off. They, the looks at, it also has hurt Becky. Well, like, I, I don't know. I don't think it's crazy to suggest that Seth and Becky don't have on screen chemistry and them getting combative and, um, just, like oh you don't know anything and like oh the internet thinks we're bad and it's like well maybe they they're on to something if you're getting tweeted yeah. at by a bunch of people that your on-screen chemistry is not good especially on a good week of monday night raw that you were the standout oh this this actually was not good at all and like of all the things you get defensive about of like they don't like our acting like a couple on tv it's like that's i feel like they're they should fall back on the i'm here to wrestle card or something like, or just don't comment. Yeah, I, 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 but people, <laughs> we live in the social media era, and eyeballs are currency, and everybody has to have an opinion about everything. Yeah, and like people who scroll by, they see a tweet, and they're like, "Well, I disagree with that person. I better let them know." It's like, no, you don't have to do that. Oh, you can the just, other thing, you can just disagree. Seth, it took him three days to say that. Like after doing some soul searching, wherever he said, um, "I've come to the realization that I was wrong." And I shouldn't have crossed the line, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it took Seth Rollins three days to realize that making a joke about his bank account versus Will Ospreay's bank account was like, it took him getting away from the world and unplugging and being like, you know, maybe I shouldn't joke about my bank account versus an indie guys. I love that it took him three days for that. Especially one who's like, has been very public with his financial problems. Oh, who? Osprey? Osprey. Oh, I haven't kept up with that. Which he he had to run like GoFundMe last year for a car. Oh, I thought he had something with injuries a couple years ago. A GoFundMe. He wanted to buy his mom a car last year, so he had a, the internet pay for it. God. And had a whole point about like 
I won't be contributing because I just put all my money towards new ring gear. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> like, mom. Come on, dude. <laughs> it was to buy like a used Honda Civic, and it was like <laughs> my fans will buy it. And like, granted, he's right; his fans will buy it. Like, he if it was just him being smart about using the internet, if he was basically being the girl selling his her fucking bath water, then mm-hmm. good on you, O Spray. Right. You sell that bath water to your your Mark fans. But it's just such a weird look to be like, please buy my mama car for me. I bought shoes instead. That is weird, but it worked. So that's it, it worked, right? Didn't he buy them? Did he? Did it? Oh hell yeah, they totally okay. did. There you go. And then because then people would do it, and then they would tweet like, "I contributed," and he like re- like, "Oh thanks, mate." <laughs> and then they'd go, "Huh." Oh. He said thanks to me. That was worth two hundred dollars. You should definitely tweet at him now and be like, "Hey, just checking in on the car that I did for." <laughs> How's that car? Yeah, How the you need new floor mats? You need a new anything? <laughs> Let me know, buddy. Oil change? I got you this weekend. I mean, it's the we talked about like Twitch earlier. It's the the big money maker on Twitch is fans who donate because like when you donate, it'll like put your message on screen and usually reads it out loud, and people are like. I'll spend five dollars so people can hear the dumb thing I want to say, and yeah. then you make ten thousand dollars a night of people just giving five bucks at a time. Hmm. That's what Impact needs. You know how WWE used to have the scroll on the bottom of tweets throughout the show, God, like when Twitter was like I'm still this out popular. Podcast, just in case any WWE official listens and they're like, "Oh, do they want us to bring it back?" <laughs> it was it was okay on uh, the after show. It Remember made sense. Pow pow. Love those. What if they brought back the kapows? But what if they bring back the bottom feed, but instead of it being something that somebody there <laughs> hand curates based on a hashtag, uh-huh. it's donation-based. Oh. If you pay $5, your message will go across the screen. They'll only screen for like profanity and stuff. Uh, like, We'll have some level of screening where it won't just be like anti-Semitic hate messages. But if you want to scroll like, Baron Corbin's a ugly poo-poo face... You give your five bucks. There it is. This is a great. This is impact should do this. This is a money making idea right here. This actually, you could just use strictly like this person signed up for Impact Plus. This person um, went on our Impact Wrestling roster page. I think when you subscribe on Twitch, it does pop up on the Twitch. On for Fight for the Fallen, if they're gonna take donations during the show, that's what they should do. It should be. Like if you ever have you ever heard of games done quick? Like GD probably not. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing on Twitch. It's like one week a year, two weeks a year, where they like they rent this hotel conference room and for a week straight, like twenty four seven, they have people that do like video game speed runs and they take donations for charity speed and they raise beating a game like super quick. Okay. They'll be like, Oh, I'm gonna play Ocarina of Time in an hour and ten minutes. How do you pronounce like that? that? I always pronounce it the wrong way then. Ocarina or Ocarina? Yeah. Uh, Timmy? It's Ocarina of Timmy. That's how you pronounce it. Oh, got it. But people donate. It's all for charity. But they'll raise like millions of dollars every time. So it's like a cool thing. That's what Fight for the Fallen should do next weekend. Because it's supposed to be raising money for like gun survivors in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. And officially, as of now, it's like the gate is going towards it. They could do a thing of like, hey, if you give 20 bucks, your donation, like you could put a message with your donation and it'll stream across the bottom feed. Because then people are going to give 20 bucks to be like, this is the best wrestling in the world. And have their little Twitter handle next to it. And I'll give $20,000. 
to donate a thousand times, Roman Reigns is the best wrestler in the world, hands down. So that it airs nonstop for three hours. There you go. Um, <laughs> wow, that was a lot. Um, okay, so did you watch Raw this week? Yeah. So, oh, are, are you with all of wrestling fans in agreement that this was one of the better shows? And if so, what about this show worked for you? Uh, the pay- The best thing was the pacing of the show. I remember feeling like there was like when you hit that two hour mark of raw there's always this feeling of like oh god damn there's still another hour of this show mm-hmm. i remember like hitting the two hour mark and being like oh there's another hour of the show and then looking at my clock and there was actually four minutes of the show left oh because somehow it had just like it, f- it didn't feel slow ever and you're like me don't you watch it like once raw started for a while and you can fast forward and speed through stuff and yeah i skip yeah. all the commercials and mm-hmm. usually like entrances although the weird like no wrestling and matches has kind of cut down on that i feel like yeah it's added some pluses and some minuses mm-hmm. but like it even started off good with that opening segment of the going through the screen and all the pyro going off i love the people where... who thought the holy shit comment from Corey graves was a genuine thing like there's no way in hell that's happening like w- there's just in today's world Corey graves is too he's he's not green enough for that to actually just slip out yeah and, for five years now he knows yeah. what he's doing um but no that was cool and i think the best part about that opening segment and also let's give them credit for not doing the promo parade that brandon stroud writes about on uh with spandex every week that i appreciate the 26 minutes of promos yeah setting up matches and all stuff and it's, it's always the we can't go a half hour with promos although they did once recently so we'll have to go twenty. That way, anybody will t- see a wrestling match in the first half hour and go, "Good, it's a wrestling show." Yeah, and I feel like the problem isn't promos. The problem is just are they entertaining? Like this opening segment, entertaining those. Yeah, but I like, yeah, the way this raw <laughs> opened probably was about the same amount of time of not wrestling, mm-hmm. but it was something happening. But they were also telling a story. So this was something like you and I and everybody else we've always talked about the like wrestling i mean raw and smackdown have been built around youtube and people are obsessed with like looking at the youtube views after the shows and seeing which segments got the most hits why why is arm wrestling so popular yeah and they look at stuff like that and part of that is a problem for their actual television product because things don't have to blend together neatly because you're just like we're gonna cut this up and put it on youtube anyway and that's all we really care about um and things don't have to flow like certain characters don't have to interact with other characters but this episode of raw had ricochet and the club do a bunch of different stuff they um had ran into each other like there was that thing where aj goes and finds ricochet and walks around backstage finds him and then they have that like after being uh, manipulated by the good brothers um slaps him and then ricochet slaps him back and like this is my favorite thing about this show and the reason that it flew by for me was that like oh they started off early getting us invested in the good brothers and aj and then ricochet's stuff and they kept going and they kept dropping little tidbits here and there of like oh this is this is going to be a thing and um obviously at the end of the night it paid off but i i miss those shows and if you the difference between like i don't like the attitude era stuff and everything like that it's not about the matches it's not about uh the blood violence whatever it's that they felt like stories each week and they just stuck to something and like we had a theme and like they would come in and out and all that kind of stuff the theme of this week's episode of raw was very clear it was what's going on with aj and 
we got yeah, an answer. So often it's built like the opening segment builds to like here's why you should stay tuned for the main event. Mm-hmm. Whereas when there's a thing that threads in and out of the show constantly, it's here's why you should just stay tuned, like for the next three hours. You don't know when you'll see the next story beat happen. Because they did that with AJ Ricochet. They also were doing that with like Drake Maverick and R Truth, although that was more comedy thing. Mm. But like they probably had five or so segments sparsed throughout the show that kept building on each other. Instead of just the promo and then the match later, it would be like bumping into each other backstage and then sitting at ringside and then chasing away and then bumping into him again and then running away. Like they were able to like spread that story out throughout the show. So that you would keep watching to see what was going to happen next. Instead of just, do I want to see the AJ Ricochet match? You'd have to keep seeing all the interactions that led to it. That story. You're more emotionally invested at that point when they get there. Um, And especially because it was a rematch. And you've got to give people a reason. Like, didn't they just do this last week? And I I just thought it was was really good. Um, were you surprised at all that they did the the Braun Lashley thing at the start and just the way they did it? I didn't like on SmackDown the next night. Lashley was on like the the weird uh, camera selfie video, but because um, I think ultimately those two should be off screen for a while if you're going to sell it that severely. And I also well, love the well SmackDown's work. not canon, is it? I, I think it's canon. Nobody um, watched that show. I I like the the Kevin Dunn angle of like way up top, like it felt like a genuine mess up. You know, where like they, Renee and Corey had like the super sad face, like they were genuinely, I, I encourage you to go back and look at their, their eyes. I swear they put water in their eyes and while the like, camera was away. Like, they put swear. out like a camera angle afterwards of the camera, like set up behind the stage to watch yeah. the moment happen. But I like the way they did the cameras when it actually happened, where when he goes through the stage, the cameraman has to like run from where he is yeah. alongside to get to the back and they're showing the feet of his camera as he's running and you uh, realize it gives a feeling of like this was not a planned spot right like we have established we have cameras everywhere in this fucking arena at all times but this was something even we didn't think was going to happen so like it went black let me show everywhere the, it hurt yeah. everything yeah you see the panic of the cameraman running into the action and realize like so it feels exciting when that happens and instead of just cutting to the camera that's there I mean, it did its job. It like got people invested in the storyline now, because that storyline has sucked for a month, and then it's just like, oh, that was really cool. And it's like one of those things where, like, oh, why didn't they think of something like that beforehand? Why were they doing these arm wrestling matches when you could have just these two tear each other apart? And um, it it was cool. I thought it was a a really good opening segment. there was one thing the Viking Raiders had a match with the New Day. A lot of New Day this week, but I so the crowd was getting into the Viking Raiders. You could tell early on in this match, like once they had like three minutes in, like the revival have this kind of issue as well, where it's like whenever they're trying to get a little bit of steam, because the only way they're going to get over is if they have fifteen to twenty minute matches consistently where crowds can see them work for a long stretch and then they're like oh they're actually good wrestlers like we don't really know much about their characters but at least we know that they can work and the crowd was starting to get into it and then Samojo interferes and it just sapped all of their momentum i'm i I shouldn't say i'm worried because i just don't think the viking raiders ever had high upside anyway on the main roster and you kind of have to look at just certain nxt talent versus main roster talent differently and he 
I don't know. I just thought it was like one of those little things every time I was like, I don't really like this, well, what, why they did that, but also the bigger story is Samoa Joe and Kofi, so I, I understand from that perspective, but um, they, giving these new call-ups not enough time um, to really have a long, good wrestling match is ill-advised in my opinion. Like, it's you're kind of assuming your audience knows who they are and taking right. that for granted, and they don't know who they are. Like, you got to prove to them they can work. Like, not they don't watch NXT. They don't watch. They didn't watch War Games. They haven't seen a lot of what yeah. makes the Viking Raiders good at professional it's, wrestling. It's the reason Ricochet has been like the one call up who's really gotten over with the fans. Is he does a style of wrestling that is all flippies and cool and like, oh, he did a 550 degree twist backflip off the ropes to the outside, where even if you don't know what you're like looking at. It looks cool. He's not telling a long story. He's not doing all like you. You watch thirty seconds of Ricochet, you go, "That guy's dope." So he can have a five minute match, and people will love it. Whereas if you're, and he can get through a lot of stuff in five minutes. Yeah, but if you're aren't like that, a slow brawler, hard like yeah, hard hitting team, it takes you longer to get that across. Of we're relentless and we're gonna pound our opponents down over time. You can't do that in four minutes in your debut match. No. Um, a couple other little nuggets from the club and Ricochet stuff. Uh, Carl Anderson putting his hot Asian wife up for AJ to like, yeah, betting his wife. Yeah, and then Gallows just calling him Ricochism. I, I there are little things where you're like, God, why weren't they using him? Like they're actually good at like just cringeworthy comedy, and I I love their genuine dialogue. Like AJ talking with the club feels real and their conversations feel real and then that interaction with ricochet and aj felt real because ricochet as we both know just really struggles with promos and speaking yeah, and, he's, he's bad yeah and aj alleviated a lot of that and just the story alleviates all of that because now he's got the sympathy now he's got this this moment where he took the styles clash from the top of the turnbuckle um the slaps were great like him not being afraid of aj and just where this story is going like i just i think all that's great and it's a good idea especially with seth doing his thing that like the new number one story on raw is the club versus ricochet and if you want to establish the top baby face you have to do what they're doing right now and not just completely burying him but giving fans a reason to get behind him and i don't know i think this is all it's all great I like the optimism you've got going on right now, too. I mean, it's just these are little things that we've... Uh, it, it just felt like Vince watched Undisputed Era this week and was like, well, I don't want, I have one of those in the main roster. And it's like, yeah, why don't we have a stable? Especially because, <laughs> like, all the... Other than maybe, like, Stone Cold stuff with Vince and Rock, almost every other big thing to happen in wrestling has had, like, stables involved. Mm-hmm. Whether it's DX or NWO or Evolution or the Shield or the Nexus, like so much of wrestling is built around that idea of a group of guys with a united goal. That and it's just cool. Stables are just naturally cool. Yeah, and it, it also then talking about how like, the best part of AJ and Ricochet was the fact that it was a story throughout the night. By having a stable, you can kind of make people think there's a story throughout the night when there's not. Because they'll be seeing the same group of people throughout the night as they're all having their own matches. Even if they're not even coming out together. Like 
if DX was to have like three different matches on an episode of Raw and you heard the DX theme three times, in your mind you have the story of like DX what what is DX doing on Raw? Whereas really it was just three different matches. But it, it adds some like continuity to that. It yeah. makes it a team sport. And like you look cool. in New Japan, everybody is in a faction. Right. Like to the point that nobody can keep track of them. And we but know it like, hurt. like it's a requirement. Is, Kofi needed a faction to ever get to where he is. Like it just certain guys like Kevin Owens never needs anybody to be a top guy and be interesting and all the other stuff. But like certain guys need yeah, it. Like and certain guys. Kofi had been kind of floating around for eight years or whatever. Yeah. You put together the new day. It's one of the hottest acts in the last 20 years. And it's just stables are, are good. <laughs> stables it's, are good folks. And so much of promos, like talking about the, the backstage chemistry with uh, Seth and Becky, like so much of a promo is the ability to play off of somebody else. Right. And it's a very different dynamic when you're playing off somebody who is your friend and your teammate versus somebody who's your opponent. Because mm-hmm. then it's not just, I'm going to beat up you. No, I'm going to beat you up. It's like, no, now we can be jokey and we can like have they talk this a bunch off screen. They've they hang yeah. out. They it's just more they, they have a rhythm to their conversation. It's organic. And it's and, one of those things where they just know they can. They, they, yeah, I, I don't and know. like there was a big thing. Some people hated Cena for was the fact that he would have like humor in his promos because mm-hmm. they'd be like, you know, if you're going to beat this guy, like he would do the, the typical Cena promo or the typical rock promo, which is kind of where he got it from was do 80% funny comedy and then get loud and get serious and talk about how you're going to beat their ass on Sunday. Whereas when you're out there with the new day and it's like, you know, you may be going against this other team, but not every line you're saying is directed at them. Some are directed at your two friends next to you. So you can have some comedy in there and it feels like it fits. It doesn't feel like you're trying to shoehorn it in because you're joking with your friends about like, look at these guys over here kind of thing. That was one of those, like, in the moment, we were we were all, like, I remember complaining about the Cena, just the goofiness. Remember the Star Wars one he made, that promo he did, just, like, I guess it's, like, 10 years ago now. But, like, he would go over the top, he would do too much. But I remember thinking, like, his first, what was his, is it Trainwreck? Really the first comedy movie that he did that kind of yeah. um, got him back into the mainstream and stuff. Where it was like, oh, this is just who he is. And you watch Nicky Bella, like, the Total Bella stuff and his hamper just weird stuff. Yeah. He's, a, he's just Bryan's a fucking dog. goof. He is. And then you're like, oh, these promos make a lot more sense now. Because and I, I think, think people like the promos more once they realize like that's he's he is. not playing this character for TV of like, because everybody probably just assumed he was like big dumb meathead guy. Right. Yes. And they're like, why are they having him be like goofy, childish guy? Look at him. He's six six or whatever of all muscle and clean cut and all that. And you realize like, oh, he's a fucking goof. Right. That's why he hosts shows on Nickelodeon now. That's why he does all this. Like he is just goofy and silly and funny. Yes. And then you're like, now I like seeing that side of him because I realize that's who he is. Yes. Like I always said, the reason I was on the Cena bandwagon so early is I watched his like silly WWE.com video series, Five mm-hmm. Questions with the Champ. I remember that. Yeah. Because it was people who would be like, oh, what was your favorite toy you got for Christmas? And he would go into like a three-minute John Cena-style thing about like the Castle Grayskull with the microphone that had the voice-changing effects. And he's like doing all the silly impressions and all that. And it was realizing like on TV, this was like Doctor of Thugonomics John Cena. 
this was like talking with the funny like deep voice that's not his and doing all that but then you'd see him do this candid thing and he's doing like cartoon voices and the rewind stick and he's just a goof and you're like i like this guy i like i wasn't even a big fan of the character yet but like this guy is awesome yeah i would agree he's the best when's he coming back is he gonna be on smackdown i, I don't think so president ever- trump apparently is gonna be on smackdown John Cena should come back full time. Um, Can't afford it. I think he, I think he really is scared about like just really hurting himself at this point. It's like the Rock problem, where he yeah. like tore his pack. He was like, "Well, there's ten million dollars I won't make now." Well, it's not even about the money. I don't think with him. I think it's more of just like I don't think he remember how like Undertaker like the whole thing was like he it like when he when he goes he's he's gone when he knows that he can't and then it's like well yeah. that's bullshit because he came back and um, multiple times right i don't when think I, when i face roman he even said like when i leave my hat and gloves in the ring that'll be it or whatever and he even did that and the next year he's like now i'm facing <laughs> i don't even remember who would have been the next year i don't either bray no that before that that, been, that yeah, was right. after after uh brock it was one of the saudi shows right he was at the next wrestlemania oh that's right he was was it cena was it, yeah, was it Cena and Elias? Oh, yeah. God. Um, it was really bad. Um, and also a gigantic waste of John Cena. Um, Cena has a legacy still. Yes. And I like, think ultimately, and he talks about the speed and everything where like Undertaker just controls the pace and doesn't want to work that kind of style and he physically can't. But like Cena was able to do that those last seven years of his prime and was able to like ricochet and cena could have worked five years ago i think cena could have held his own now i think if cena did like a 10 minute match with ricochet he might die and i think he knows that and i think he knows he'll look gassed and that he just he can't do what he used to be able to do and he's just i'm sure sure he can still do a good match with like an aj or seth rollins though yeah but I think somebody he's who injured, like, knows I think he's his worried about style. how it will the optics where it's like, will it be obvious that I'm a step slower and that these guys are holding back because I can't move like I used to. Cause I'm an old man. Yeah. I think he cares about optics. I mean, what was his last match? It was with Becky on SmackDown. I feel like anytime he's going to show up match? the one right after WrestleMania that I forgot even happened. It was only a few months ago. Did he? Oh, that's right. All he's done this year is like something around the rumble and that he's like two matches this year. It's weird that he's like not retired, but is retired. Yeah. Like he just shows up on a SmackDown, does a match then doesn't show up again for four months. Do you believe, but I feel like whenever he shows up now, he wants to work with one of those people that he knows is like, I'm at the very twilight of my career. I want to like, I remember when the rock had his hall of fame speech, he talked about like all the people he like wanted to work with mm-hmm. like, Oh, I never got to work with Shawn Michaels or Rey Mysterio or John Cena or like the three people he named. I think John Cena wants to like knock that list down for him and be like, I want to get my match in with Roman, my match in with the undertaker, a match in with Becky. Like if I'm going to do a match now, I want it to be somebody who I think in 10 years, people will talk about how great they were. And I want to be able to like have a memory with that person. Yeah. Hmm. And then go back to hosting. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Well, also the biggest difference between Taker and Cena too, and this is a rock and Cena thing where they share this and Taker is on a different side of the aisle there is they, and I think triple H probably fits in the Taker mold now too, of who he faces and picks and chooses to face now. But um, they want to work only with old guys who can move 
the way they can. Cena still like would rather just work with a young upstart. Like he would rather face Ricochet than someone his age and doesn't want to work the veteran heavy style. Um, I think he gets inspired and motivated to work with the younger guys. And Taker is the exact opposite where he's like, absolutely not. Where's Goldberg? Can yeah. Goldberg work? Taker comes out and is like, all right, I'm going to do two punches, yeah. a choke slam. I'm going to walk the ropes, tombstone. That's it. And there's Whereas, only a handful of guys you can face at that point. Whereas Cena's like, so I was at a triple A show and I saw a guy do this <laughs> move and I think I can do it. And you're like, no. He almost died for Shinsuke Nakamura a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah I feel like he's never like satisfied. No. Like in wrestling or in life, he seems like the kind of guy who's just like, I can do better. Yeah. Put me back in, coach. Um, Can we talk about The Miz for a second? Okay. From the reality show, Mr. and Miz. That's correct. Um, whatever. He has mastered how to be a good, normal babyface. And his backstage promo, like, it, I was writing down, like, what he was actually saying. Because I was like, I, I haven't listened intently on what Miz is actually saying as a babyface. And he has sound logic. And he, he comes off really well in, like, his concern for what Shane McMahon has become. And he, like, feels personally responsible for failing over and over again to put him down. And... I think it worked. He has still a lot of momentum. Like, I still don't know if I love the figure four, but like the Dallas is awesome t-shirt that he was wearing. And like, if he doing, if he does that for every city, I could see that being a big merch mover. Um, and that being a good idea, but he doesn't have anything to do because their raws two top champions are both baby faces. And there's not, if you look at the raw roster in general, there's not a lot of top heels that he can really work with at this point. And, I felt bad for him because I was like, oh, he's doing great work. Uh, the crowd likes him. He's a solid baby face. He's mastered professional wrestling in a sense that like, I think we take for granted guys who can talk, still put on good matches and work just as good as a heel as a baby face. Like he is multidimensional. Now he can do whatever you need him to do. It's just, they have nothing for him right now. And I think the best option and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it might be Cesaro. I think I might do a summer program with Cesaro where like Cesaro is also floating and him just dispatching Noe Jose with a neutralizer on the apron was great. And him being a serious Jason Statham type character works for him. And I think he's actually like in the best shape of his life is great. And I think if you just built the Miz and Cesaro um, around each other this this summer and have a really good SummerSlam match that would help. But like, I don't really know what else you can do with the Miz or Cesaro, even though both are really working in their respective roles. I feel like Cesaro could have been the answer to that question any year in the last nine years also. Yeah. And I think if they want to, they feel like they are trying to appeal to that sort of jaded fan right now Mm -hmm. where finally the way they pushed Kofi and the changes they're making them taking Cesaro seriously could be a good thing to do that. As he's often been the guy everyone's like, he's the best guy on your entire roster and he's been overlooked. Why are you not doing anything with him? It could be a like a good faith thing to show like we agree now. We were yeah, we're listening. Corbin spot. Like there's no reason it should not be him and not Corbin. Well I don't know if Cesaro looks good in a vest. <laughs> That's true. Um I love the idea that Corbin's only in his spot because of how attractive he is. <laughs> it's my favorite wrestling story. <laughs> that Vince is just like, you got to push him. Look how handsome he is. 
well it's not even just that he's like ladies love guys like him and yeah. i i don't know i saw what culture did a video where they like printed out pictures of him and went on the street and asked women <laughs> like do you find him attractive and would you judge him out of 10 and everybody gave him like an eight there's only one girl who said he wasn't attractive everyone else was like yeah he's attractive i like the bald hair and i like the vest and it's like god damn it vince is right it's uh, he's good though like baron corbin backstage and like I, there's something about his presence that he is he's even a good manager like him just sliding natalia the way he did was hilarious like it was so clean and just it, it i don't know everything about corbin is fantastic except for his wrestling like i think just, he's he's gonna be one of those cena guys where everybody hates him for like so many years and then it hits this tipping point where it's like Oh, I've always appreciated him. No one hates Baron Corbin like that, though. I think it's just like, it just feels out of place where his spot in the card is. Like, he should not be closing out pay-per-views. Yeah, it should go to Ziggler. No, it shouldn't go to Ziggler either. Go to Sheamus. Nope. Is he done, by the way? Is he just gone? Because I, I think see the he's... workout pictures of him all the time. Is he trying to get think, back, or is he done? I think, he, I think he just got cleared again. Did he really? Do you not want him to come back? I don't I mean... His stuff sounds super serious. I'll text him and tell him not to come back. And he's sneaky old, I think. Yeah, he's 37. 41. He turns 42 in a couple months. That's right. He's 18. Right. Um, His last name's Farley. That's weird. Um, (laughs) That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I just haven't heard anyone else's name Farley instead of uh, Chris Farley. Um, What about Kevin Farley? That isn't. I don't. Know, you're thinking of Kevin uh, Federline. Thinking of Chris Farley's brother from the band Together. I don't think that's right. Um, did you notice that Roman Reigns wasn't on either show this week? Yeah. Did that help things? Of course not. What do you mean? Did that help things? <laughs> it's Roman Reigns. Right. Did you did you say that sentence backwards? I forgot he wasn't on the show. Like I had 100% forgotten. He is. First of all, he's never on SmackDown. So. Don't even Isn't consider he a that a superstar. Yes. Okay. But I believe he's appeared once since then. Is that true? I think so. But he's appeared on every Raw until this week <laughs> since then. <laughs> um, that's funny. But I, who's even feuding with? Is it still Shane? Uh, yeah, because he's got the match with the Undertaker. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Roman and the Undertaker versus Drew and Shane. Did you get? Taker's logic for helping Roman Reigns in that segment with Shane and Drew McIntyre. And There's something about Shane and Drew smell bad. Um, he wants their souls. Yes, and the way he said, like his delivery, not great anymore. I would say. Um, I feel like I have notes on this of like actual words. Um, oh, Kevin Owens though, the way he said the Undertaker, ten out of ten. Like Kevin Owens being like the under, and then he checked his notes. It was like the Twitter version of, I mean, the real life version of the Twitter joke of like checks notes Taker. Like (laughs) (laughs) he's great because he does the comedy well, and then like he does the serious like with Ziggler this week with the like like, it should have been you, it should have been you, it was you eight years ago briefly, and now it's not, and it's never gonna be again. Get over it. Like he does both sides so well, like the Miz. Yes, it was um it was wild. Um maybe I don't have it on me. I'm looking for it. You're checking your notes about the thing where Kevin Owens checks his notes? No, I'm actually checking my notes for what Taker said, but um I can't find it on the sheet. Said 
I'm here to reap two more souls for my soul collection. Something about hell and the way he was like, you're going to go. Maybe the best in this world. Yeah, that's where it got weird. It was like, oh, I think he forgot where he was going with this sentence. But I'm from hell. Heck, PG show people. It did not work. And I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. I, I don't. I don't want to see Undertaker versus Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon in 2019. What are we doing? Remember when Drew McIntyre is supposed to break the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak? No. And also, why aren't they talking about... Have they mentioned that Drew McIntyre was Vince's chosen one 10 years ago? Of course not. Why? That's like one of those that would, easy things. Quality especially control. now that he's with Shane. That's that would what I so don't understand. Sense. Why are they not mentioning this? Like, Why is there not a backstage segment of just like showing some footage of... Vince McMahon bringing him out as the chosen one. It's like Shane could say, I've always, we've, the McMahon family has always believed in you. McIntyre yeah. McMahon. Or be like, you know, my father gave up on you, but I never did kind of thing. Yeah. Little things like that would give more people a reason to believe in this storyline and everything else. And didn't he get more people? Wasn't it? So Elias obviously had the match with the Miz and he's still kind of in the stable. It's a very um, ill thought out stable. <laughs> Because he was just like getting heels uh, randomly, and then it's just back down to like Drew, basically. I mean, the revival's still there, right? Kinda. Have they interacted recently? It's like a whenever Undertaker sh- showed. No. No, they revival wasn't on TV this week. It was when Roman chased them to the ring. Mm. It's been, yeah, it was. It's been two weeks, I think. I don't That's know. about as often as they put tag teams on TV. Do you think they're going? Uh, a babyface run with Kevin Owens? Is that what they're building to? They like brought him back as a good guy and then turned him bad, and now they might turn him good. And it's only, he's only been back three months, four he months. Should just be a babyface. Fans want to cheer Kevin Owens because he's funny. Yes, he's also a great heel though. But like that's what I would do. Is just the he's edgy so good at both. Face. He should just be the edgy babyface that isn't afraid to kind of snap at other baby faces and heels like it should just be his thing of just like i'm still in it for myself like the anti-hero that's just kind of what he should be still a a selfish asshole but that way he can still have that angry serious side when he needs to right the one that you'd normally reserve for a heel but he could do it against another good guy almost yes that's what it should be at this point and stop overthinking it and all that kind of stuff but um He's great, and I, I miss Kevin Owens in my life because I think, I mean, I've said it, I think he's the best professional wrestler on this roster because of everything that he can do. Like, I don't know if anyone else who is as good of an in-ring worker, promo worker, everything else as Kevin Owens is. Uh, have you heard of Leva Bates? Who? Okay, never mind. The librarian. Oh. Um... Are you comfortable with the Nikki Cross storyline and her character in general? It's a very unique storyline that they've never done before with Alexa. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted, like, but so they did the same exact segment on Raw and SmackDown. On Raw, they did it with Carmella, and SmackDown, they did it with Bailey, where they said the exact same thing. And I'm just waiting for a YouTube, like, how neither of them have put on the Titantron all of Alexa Bliss's <laughs> history of her, like the whole Nia Jack stuff and everything else, like how they haven't just put that on television and just showed her like, Hey, we're not just telling you these things. This actually happened. And like it's, the idea, I, I don't know. It's, a it's really definitely like a diminishing returns thing each time. Cause like 
the first time that she does the whole like you're my friend lol i was just using you you're like cool that's a story whatever who cares and then the second time then you start to be like well how did they not see this coming like we've seen this before but whatever the wrestlers are dumb and now i believe it's the ninth time and for the last four we've even had other characters who have been on the receiving end of it doing the thing where they go to the current friend and are like this is what she does mm-hmm. she's doing it to you and the friend goes no 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 she's not doing it to me we're real friends and it it's like every time like you just Kevin like Owens, like befriended ricochet or something <laughs> and they're like yeah what are you doing it would be like if my girlfriend was like oh no he's not gonna hit me again he said it was the last time and it's like how many times have i said that though i've never done that it was a joke chase don't hit people other than in pro wrestling intergender matches aren't allowed anymore or not they are in america i guess and i guess canada because the impact one has one tomorrow yeah um did you see who paul Heyman's reportedly high on uh marijuana no um let me guess wait yes there are four different one of them's a tag team and then street profits yes because they debuted on his first show and they had an interaction with him which was great uh ricochet put him in the main event mm-hmm. uh does aj styles count or is that like a, a too easy of one too easy i think everybody likes it. if you don't like aj styles i just don't understand and oh the the easy one lacey evans yes really mm-hmm. nice i was half joking you're missing one. Oh, um eric boot not boot what's his last no. name Bo- bugenhagen <laughs> No, nope. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't he get renamed at NXT? Yeah, they took away the one thing he had going for him, which was his <laughs> name. You hire a guy who's named Bugenhagen, which is like a fun word to just say, Bugenhagen. And then they're like, what if we just change it to Buttigieg? Mm. Who's the fourth one? Who's the Who's the fourth man? Alistair Black. Ew, why? I guess, some, I guess someone has to stand up for him because Vince really doesn't like Alistair from what I hear. Wait, what? He, yeah, apparently he has, Vince has a long history of not liking any black wrestlers. Oh, god damn. I walked into that one. Okay. His name's Alistair Black. That's correct. Um, those Alistair Black is a very good like Paul Heyman guy. Yep. Like He's got a, a unique look to him. He does a lot of kick strikes. He's your new Rob Van Dam. And another Rob Van Dam connection. He's from Amsterdam. Mm. Where they smoke all the marijuanas. Whereas in my state, you can't even smoke tobacco until you're 21 anymore as of now. Mm. Bray Wyatt, of course he should wrestle. And then all the goodwill he's earned will disappear in a public smoke. I I think people have forgotten again how he actually wrestles. And then when you see it in person, you're like, oh. Uh. No thanks. Still no. But the Firefly Funhouse is great. Like I don't think he should ever actually wrestle again. But then what should he do? The, this stuff. That's just it. Forever. Nothing else. Just <laughs> backstage videos of how I'm coming soon. Yes. <laughs> Sound like my girlfriend. This is a good one. The Funhouse stuff is like 
the best thing they have going right now because it's so out of left field. 24-7. Like, the Drake Maverick Archer stuff is... My my favorite Funhouse thing has been... If you they did like uh, Game of Thrones reviews for a while mm-hmm. on Up Up Down Down, or it's like Kofi, Xavier, Seth, and Cesaro, and they were filming. It was like the first one, and they're just like filming it backstage at Raw when they're all together, and they have like the TV on in the background because that's what you do when you're backstage at Raw. You watch Raw, and the Firefly Funhouse first one starts airing, and you just see like Seth and Cesaro kind of glancing up at it, and then they like look up again, and Seth just like makes the whole room stop so they can all watch it. And he's just like, I'm sorry, what is going on here? We need to see this. And I guess there was the rumor recently that like the backstage, the roster like gathers around each week to watch them. Yeah. Like it pops the boys. That's how we talk in the industry. Yeah. It's good. It's definitely, definitely. It's it's one of those things where it's everybody loves it and yet everybody is afraid of the payoff. Because we know it's not going to be good because he's just not a good professional wrestler. He's a great creative. Yes. But he's but, just exceptionally bad in the ring. <laughs> well, maybe they can put him with a good hand like Baron Corbin. I mean, that's the thing is like if you turned him into a manager and just like a, I don't know, maybe like a father James Mitchell type deal. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't it's like also it. like. He's, nobody even knows if like if they want him to be a good guy or a bad guy or they want him to have Luke Harper or not. Like there's so many things up in the air with him. Yeah. Which is the reason people are interested. They're like, oh, where could they go with this? What's gonna be the payoff? And it's like, uh, probably not good. You're um, not gonna like whatever it is. <laughs> um because I don't think it's, they have a plan. I don't think they have hey, a plan. It's about the journey, not the destination. That's correct. Um, last thing and we'll wrap up here. Ronda Rousey rumored to return she misses wrestling paul Heyman running raw i think one of the things about just raw since wrestlemania i think they've really missed rousey's presence and like, i think this is a very good thing to have her back like as good of a job as becky has done in becoming popular that division exists in its current state and like in the way it's being treated seriously by wwe because of ronda rousey's year there and Becky is not the star without Rousey. She needed Rousey a lot more than um, Rousey needed Lynch. Yeah, she's she's Austin without McMahon right now. Yeah, she's I'm here to take names and kick the butts. Except the only name put in front of me is Lacey Evans, and that's not her fault. Um, and I lost my other belt to Bailey. Speaking of who, like just the Raw women's roster is just. It's in disarray because Riot's hurt. Um, Naomi was gone. Lacey Evans is there. Dana Brooke is still green. Alicia Fox is somehow still employed. I mean, Alexa Alicia Fox. Yeah. Nikki Cross, um, kind of a problematic character. Sarah Logan gone. Um, Tamina gone. Sasha Banks gone. Nia Jax gone. Natalia yeah, but you say all that, but in the middle of that, you said the name Alexa Bliss. So it sounds like they're in a good place. I don't, I don't know. I would be very nervous about giving Alexa Bliss anything at this point. Because I was under the impression that she was never wrestling again like three months ago. What? She's, oh, because like her injuries? Yes. Her, her head got an oof, <laughs> yeah. an ouchie. Like, I think we're, how many more reports of 
Alexa Bliss suffered a concussion does she have to get before it's like, okay, well, this is it. Because didn't Corey Graves have to retire for this? Yeah, that's part of their protocol. Yeah, like how that's many a, do you get? That's a weird precedent that WWE like is trying to set that nobody's following, where they like decide to take concussions incredibly seriously. As far as like when you sign with us, you take a baseline impact test. Every year you take a new baseline impact test. If there's a mass where we think your head might have gotten rattled, you take an immediate test. If you show any symptoms, you're not you have to like wait a certain number of days and pass a test. If it you don't pass the first one, then you have to get cleared by this doctor of ours as well as passing a test. If you have another within a year, then you have to go see this doctor and do all like they've put all of this like officially on paper of like how strict all this stuff is. And then you look at like like the only one that's a little close is New Japan has if you fail a concussion test, you have to sit out for 30 days or like whatever many days it is. But they don't have requirements about when you have to take a concussion test. They only have requirements about what happens if you fail a concussion test. Because that was a thing recently where Kota Ibushi took this really bad looking head bump on the apron where he got like suplexed on the apron, but only hit his head on it as he was going to the floor. And they have their big G1 tournament starts tomorrow. So had he failed a concussion test, he would have been out of it. Obviously, I don't know if he had a concussion or not. But they decided that he didn't need testing after that match, which is like a very weird, shady thing. To be like, oh, yeah, we we care about you if you hurt your head. But, hey, can you please act like you're not throwing up so we don't have to test you now? Yeah. Or like AEW put out the like, oh, yeah, Cody doesn't have a concussion. I mean, we're not saying what we do to test or anything or if we do test, but he doesn't have one. Don't worry, guys. Yeah, you would want some more transparency here. And like especially AEW. Like I I not all wrestling companies need this kind of thing, but AEW feels like they are trying to be very progressive as far as inclusion and health and a lot of things that are, you know, making them the woke wrestling company, which I think is a good thing in general. And you'd think a big part of that would be talking about the health of your performers. Cuz that was part of their first rally cuz it was right after that John Oliver show. So they made a big point about like how they're going to take care of the performers and we're a family here and we'll make sure nobody's left behind and all that. And then when it comes to this sort of thing, like you'd think you would want to outright be like, this is our protocol for drug testing, for concussion testing, for various other like policies. Like WWE has like the domestic abuse policy like filed of like, if you are charged with domestic abuse, not if you're found guilty, if you are charged, you are immediately suspended and then we'll figure it out like after it gets settled what happens there but the fact that like just so much as if somebody goes to a police station and files paperwork against you for domestic abuse we immediately take action like that is a cool thing to like whether you think that policy is the correct one or not it's cool that they are in a place to decide like we are not going to sit idly by with this stuff because we have had problems in the past with stone cold and various other people beating their wives that we're now going to say, if somebody says you did it, like if you're a rich swan and somebody says you did it, that's 30 days. We're not going to use you. If you're Enzo, if you are one of the hottest acts that we have ever had in our company, we will sit you out for this sort of thing or maybe even fire you. Because nobody we've talked about is as over as Enzo was. Yeah. But it should and, be a no tolerance thing across the board. And um, I just pulled up like, Corey Graves, it just said he suffered his second serious concussion, and that's why he was forced to retire. Two? 
I think it's three. It's a timing thing more specifically. It's a, this policy mentions something about like getting a second within one calendar so, year of the okay, first. So it's basically like how many you get in a certain amount of time. Right. Like if, if you were John Cena and have had five concussions in your career right now, they wouldn't give a shit. Okay. They'd be like, whatever. If you're Bontez Ford, who's only been there two years and you had five concussions, you're done. You're 100% retired as far as we're concerned. Sorry. Best of luck. Which is, I guess, a good thing. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, it worked out well for Corey Graves in particular. But I just like the fact that they have that clearly written down. Or, like, just health in general. Like, as of now, it's like, if you get injured while performing for us, we will take care of those costs. That is our policy. It is in this document that we share with everybody. It's You could go see it publicly. Like, we do not give you health insurance, but if you get hurt performing on one of our shows, we take care of that. Whereas I think a lot of other companies are like, yeah, we'll do that. Don't worry about it. But put ink to paper. Especially in a business that is so carny still. In an industry where like you have news reports of like, oh, if you went to this show, you might have AIDS now. Sorry. <laughs> that happened this week. <laughs> what? There was some indie show and like the local health inspector had to be like, hey, if you were at this show, you should get tested for hep C and AIDS just in case. Because oh, okay. of how much how much blood was spilt. Jesus. That's why they don't use blood in WWE anymore. Because they don't want to have a headline that says, if you were at the WWE show, go get an AIDS test. Could you imagine how like litigious people would get against a company of that size if you got a disease like AIDS as a result of going to a show of theirs? Like a thing that's going to stick with you for the rest? Like, Obviously, we're, it's become a much more manageable disease these days, but it is a disease for life for attending a wrestling show. Like, you look at what happens with sports teams when someone like gets hit with a puck or a ball and all that. Like, they go out of their way to, like, even though they are legally not responsible, they go out of their way to, like, get as much goodwill as they can in helping out. You give somebody HIV, like, holy shit. Did that little girl who got hit by the baseball, is she okay? Who? Some girl got like an eight year old girl got hit by a foul ball last week and fractured her skull. I have no idea what you're talking about. I missed this. Oh, baseball's a popular American sport. Mm-hmm. I, it's I no snooker. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I didn't I didn't see that. Hmm. Well, I brought it back to sports. There you go. Because it that's actually goes full does. circle because that's what we started with was baseball see? talk. I think this is your podcast now, Eric Grady. That's right. I right. could never, do, I could never do what you do, Chase. You don't think so? I mean, you do it you every do a, Wednesday. You do, a, you do a great job. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I think you, I think you pause waiting for an insult, but there wasn't one. I was, yeah. I mean, with Eric Brady, I'm always waiting for a follow up. That this is, uh, a, this is a great show. I like the way that you appeal to many different audiences with your variety. All about variety on this podcast, Eric Brady. What does the S stand for, by the way? What's your middle name? Scott. Is it? Yeah. Do you want my mother's maiden name and the street I grew up on also? What are you are you trying to get into my wise Bank of America sending me alerts all of a sudden? (laughs) 
No, uh, just curious. I don't know. I, I, I never would have guessed. Chase Eric Brady was name. taken on Twitter. Yeah, your real name is Charles. Nope. Your real it's name real is name. Bartholomew. Nope. Do you give out your real name or is it secret? It's not a secret. It's Thomas. <laughs> nope, that's my last name. All right, what's your first name? Henry. Henry Thomas. Like the... Why does that name sound familiar? I don't know. Damn it. Why'd you change it? I mean, I never went by that. Like, that was just who I was named after. And then my parents wanted to always call me Chase. So I. Oh, yeah. Because your, parent, your parents don't get to pick your name. I forgot. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. But I thought maybe there was like another Henry in your class and you were like, fuck that kid. No, it was just. Or it was like a show name for podcasting, like Katy Perry. Yeah. I don't know. It just made things unnecessarily difficult later in life. Is Katy Perry the best celebrity fake name? Because it doesn't sound like a celebrity fake name. Especially because if you looked at her, you're like, that makes sense. A good fake name is where it's like, oh, that fits. You couldn't imagine it being fake. And it's like the best reason. Because most like Lady Gaga, it's like, oh, because your name is Stradivarius (laughs) Sturgeon. I get why you changed it. Like, your name sucked. Whereas Katy Perry was like, oh, it's because my name is Kate Hudson. And when people heard the name Kate Hudson 15 years ago, they thought of Kate Hudson. Yeah. Like, yeah, good fucking point. Or like Nicolas Cage, who's like, I wanted to change my name so people don't know who my dad is. And I wanted to make it on my own. You're like, that's fucking cool of you. Yeah. But everybody knows who your dad is because they went to Wikipedia. Get dummy. His dad is Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, right. From the Godfather. Godfather. The Godfather. And he did a couple other stuff. Didn't he do uh, The Outsiders? Star Wars. He's the golden pony boy. That was him. I'm pretty sure. He wrote that book. Mm -hmm. God damn. Good for you, FFC. That's what I wear on a first name basis. Actually, it's not a first name. It's all three names. Just initialized. By the way, The Outsiders, the most stacked movie cast of all time. You got is a young Charlie Snow. It's a uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Is he in that one? No. Is Matt Tom Dillon, Cruise in that one? Ralph Macchio, C. Thomas Howell. Um, Ralph Macchio, he's dreamy, right? He's the Karate Kid. I bet he's a good kisser. Tom Cruise, ha, Patrick Tom Cruise. Swayze, Diane Lane, Emilio Estevez, Tom Cruise, and Leif Gehr. Yeah. Emilio Estevez, also a great celebrity name. Because his dad used a fake name and his brother used the same <laughs> fake name. And he was like, no, I'm just going to go by Estevez. What could go wrong with Estevez? People don't mind a Spanish name. And look who is by far the least famous of them now. Like, he is definitely a much better actor than Charlie. But all Estevez has is the Mighty Ducks and Charlie Sheen has that two and a half men money. Wait, I thought Estevez was the real name. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But that Marcos Estevez was like, I'm going to go by Martin Sheen instead. So then Carlos was like, I'm going to go by Charlie Sheen so people will know I'm your son. And Estevez was like, I'll just keep mine Estevez. They also both changed their first names. They were Marcos and Carlos. And they're like Martin and Charlie. Good old white names. And then you got Emilio over here. Fucking Coach Bombay. That's his real name, though. I know he should have changed it. I don't know. He's the only one who didn't, and he was a failure. I don't think he's a failure. Yeah, what's the last thing you saw Emilio Estevez do? Hey, man, I think he retired. I don't know. I'm just saying that to be nice. What's the last thing Charlie Sheen did? Probably cocaine. Off of, like, a hot girl on a boat in Ibiza. I don't think he can do any of that anymore. 
What do you? Why not? You're thinking of Artie Lang, whose nose collapsed from all the cocaine, <laughs> and who can't get hot girls or afford to go to Ibiza. Charlie Sheen, though, is rolling in it, even with his HIV. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Eric Brady of RBR Wrestling, thank you, as always, for coming on. I, I appreciate it. We can listen to you every Wednesday night on RBR Wrestling. Uh, we can find you at rbrwrestling.com, and we can also find you on Twitter at Eric S. Brady. Um, is there anything you want to plug before they get out of here? I'm, I'm hesitant to give you another opportunity. To oh, happy 4th of July, everybody. Oh, thanks. Well, wait, when is this episode going out? Uh, this is, uh, I mean, we're recording this two days after 4th of July, but. <laughs> no, we're recording this in June. Right. Happy Mother's Day. Before is that in June? Wait. Instead of Raw that we talked Wait, is, about for is, now. Is Mother's Day in June? It's, it's May. Father's Day? Yes. Happy Father's Day, everybody. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we'll be back another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.